Culture from WFMU, where we examine issues at the intersection of digital media and the arts. My name is Cheyenne Homan, and in this episode, we'll be talking with Chris Zabriskie, a composer who has 80 tracks on the Free Music Archive, all of which are licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, which is one of the most open licenses available. Thanks so much for joining us. Would you like to start by giving us your name and a sort of quick background on what you do? Oh boy, yeah. Um, My name's Chris Zabriskie, and I'm not sure what you'd call me. I guess I'm a composer. Uh, I'm also a producer. work at a company called Treehouse. Do a lot of stuff, but mostly focus on my music as much as I can. Put out records and hopefully uh, get people to listen to them, I guess, right? That's usually the goal. (laughs) So I don't know, you know, you got to make stuff for yourself first, right? That's true. If you're not having fun, it's not fun. Yeah. So if people aren't listening, it's fine. I'm I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but hopefully people are. Um, I don't like really bothering people about my music too much. I try to just make it super available, but I don't like, you know, tweeting a whole bunch or, you know, I don't run an email newsletter even or anything like that. I just eh, do my own thing. I apologize uh, if my cat's making noise in the background she's trying to get my attention all species are welcome on the podcast okay good Allie, you can be on the podcast okay (laughs) um i checked on fma just for some background and you've got about 80 tracks on there and they're all creative commons licensed under attribution so they're pretty openly licensed um what's your reasoning for that when I think about digital music you know i was uh, what 18 or so when uh napster came around and it was just mind-blowing. It was the most amazing thing I've, I had ever seen at the time. And But I guess using it at the time, downloading songs, I remember downloading like Kid A before it came out and just like, oh my God, I can't believe I can, I can hear whatever I want, you know, within reason. Um, but I never thought of it as stealing because like when Kid A came out, I went to Circuit City the day it came out or whatever, bought a CD of it. Um, digital music was never really a replacement for physical stuff for me at the time. So it never made sense to me to kind of put that behind a paywall or try to sell digital music. So from, I was in a band, I was in a noise band with my friend, uh, back around 2001 and, you know, we just put everything online as free as we could, you know, bought some, don't, you know, hosting space and put up a website and like, here's some, here's our music, you know, and we didn't think much about it. And I, I think that like mindset has never totally left me because I'd, I'd really rather people just be listening than purchasing. So Creative Commons, I started using Creative Commons with the non-commercial license, I guess back around 2008, 2009, um, a little bit, a little more heavily in 2011 and really just... So the stuff I make is, is you know, almost entirely instrumental usually and usually doesn't have beats and everything. I ne- never make this stuff to try to get it into people's videos or movies or whatever it is. But for whatever reason, it seems to have been adopted by people as something that this works cinematically. Like this can work in all sorts of different projects, art, other art projects of all kinds. 
And so people right away started using this stuff in their videos or and whatever else, a lot of YouTube and stuff at first, and kept getting just tons of questions about, hey, I know it says it's non-commercial, but I'm thinking about like pressing some DVDs. I don't know if I'll really sell any, you know, probably not going to make any money, but I know I can't. Is that cool? And it's like the answer was always yes. Like, of course, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't as knowledgeable about, uh, you know, music licensing and sync and stuff as I am now, but at the same time, like, yeah, like just go ahead and use that stuff. That's fine. And realizing that like the non-commercial stipulations to me weren't actually helping much of anybody. It was actually just kind of confusing people and making it kind of a hassle, you know, because a lot of people make something, they don't have any intention for it to be something that they sell, but then later on they go, oh, this is actually pretty good. I bet I could sell some DVDs or I could do something with this or take it to some festivals or whatever it is. And then they have to go through the music licensing process again. And music licensing is a nightmare, just no matter how you cut it. So um, it made a lot of sense to just like, let's see what happens. And there's also a kind of like unpredictability and improvisation a bit. So it was more of a, it was partially an experiment. Let's see what happens. And um, yeah, it, I think it's worked out so far. <laughs> I'm not going to stop anytime soon. So what is the like the weirdest thing you've found out about your music being used in? Oh, Lordy. Ugh. I... <sighs> I stopped keeping track. Like when we when we first started doing this, when we first joined the FMA, especially, I really credit the Free Music Archive with you know Creative Commons, is, you know, fundamentally. But as a service, the Free Music Archive has been absolutely. It's given me my career really in music. Um, and individ, you know, moms making birthday videos for their kids, all the way up to like Pepsi. You know, they've all found me through the FMA. And, God, it runs the gamut. I used to try to keep better track of it, but, like, I can't even anymore. I, you know, all these different projects. The King of Jordan's office, the, the country of Jordan, did a footage of the king, you know, being the king and stuff, and that was kind of weird. And I've had the music and physical grocery store displays that are selling boxed wine, um, pornography, <laughs> you know, um, it's all over the place on hold music for companies and, you know, Norway. And yeah, it's, I, I can't think of some art form now that somebody hasn't used my music for it or day to day. It's always something interesting and weird. I'm always surprised. Yeah, I guess weirdest is probably a tough, uh, superlative to nail down. Yeah. It, to me, it's all kind of weird, though, because, like I said, it's. I've seen it. I see other guys doing this sort of thing, or kind of. It's it's weird because I've always kind of hated the stock music world, right? The royalty free music world. Um, I think so much of that is so garbage and so unambitious. Even though I know it's meant to be kind of disposable, it's like, man, we could still make something better than this, right? Um, and so it's weird to have kind of inadvertently become a part of it and kind of competing with it sometimes being used like it um when that's like just not at all why i'm making what i'm making and the the music i make i to me is very personal and i'm very proud of it and i take it very very seriously uh, artistically but um people throw it into their 
makeup tutorials on YouTube. And it's like, this is crazy. This is so interesting. So um, never really know where it's going to end up. But that's really part of the fun for me and one of the reasons I enjoy sharing the way I do. I meet a lot of really nice people, really. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to me. I used to write zines a lot and I would put PDFs of them online sometimes. And just looking at the download counts and emails from foreign countries, people being like, oh, I really like this. Can I print it out and like sell it at my record distro? I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. But once you put something online, it really takes on a life of its own. And you, you it's never so uncontrollable. Know. You, just, you just never know who's yeah. going to find your stuff. And it's been completely insane to me. The, the cool projects and individuals and people making video games and Fortune 500 companies and people that I've interacted with because of it, you know, this the stuff I'm making at home on my laptop in my little studio, <laughs> you know, it can just like poof, hit the whole world. Getting get emails from just countries I haven't heard of, going like, where is that? I have to look that up on a map. Where is that person? <laughs> really cool stuff. Really, I can't, I can't. Uh, encourage people enough to give it a try with something yeah musically or visually or anything cool so do you ever get approached to compose things for specific artists or like for you know soundtrack purposes or something like that do people yes ask? yeah so how often yeah. do you say that happens uh almost every day oh, really? <laughs> honestly wow constantly um and i've done some of a good bit of, you know, independent film score composing, nothing super major or anything, not quite yet, but, um, done some full film scores, done, uh, of some kind of individual songs for different purposes. I've done, uh, some, you know, musical branding for furniture companies and, um, some work with some other kind of marketing and branding companies for ads and things. I've done all that kind of stuff, but uh, more and more I'm feeling like I don't, I don't enjoy it. The projects, I, at first, when I first started taking it on, when music start, kind of started taking off and the Free Music Archive kind of started really driving some people my way, I got a lot of offers and I took on a lot of work and kind of find out pretty quickly that I didn't always enjoy it. And when I don't enjoy it, I really, really don't like the music I'm making. And usually neither does the client <laughs> if I'm just like mentally not there. So realized over the last few years that I don't really think that that's my trajectory. It's not my goal. It's, it's not where I want to go. I don't want to be a film composer, you know, full time or anything and not taking the, um, like Vangelis route or something like that. Right. Of moving more into film scores, but I do enjoy doing it when I do it for the right project. And so I'm just being a lot more selective recently of kind of what freelance projects I take on what composing projects because I, I really just have to be passionate about it otherwise it'll drive me totally insane I have to really really be into it so do people also try to license the stuff that's on FMA ever or just from your own collection do you license that out or do you just let people use it um both so like I you know I don't have any work under my own name uh, which which I share in the Free Music Archive. I don't have any that's not Creative Commons licensed. It's just it's everything. So there's no real disconnect between that or like oh well that's not that's not Creative Commons licensed. You need to buy that or whatever. But the it's really interesting to find how many people pay. Um, I'm able to make a pretty good living off of sharing this music so freely. Um, 
So there's plenty of people that will pay for a license to remove the credit requirement because it's the only thing I ask for. Just have my name somewhere. A music by Chris Zabriskie, uh, the song title by Chris Zabriskie, whatever it is, that's all I really, really need. But a lot of people, you know, we don't, we can't do that or this is for this 30 second spot or it's this radio thing or, you know, it's adidas or something going like we're playing this in a football stadium we there's no credits on this thing and it's like okay cool you can you can pay that then you can pay to license that i you know get licensing income almost almost daily really not not every single day kind of goes up and down but um people will also just elect to pay they'll just i thank you for your work i have a budget for this and here's the, the hundred bucks or something, or here's 500 bucks or here's $20 or whatever it is. And I don't have set fees for licensing of any kind commercially, even for big companies. And I'm, I'm interested to see what people think it's worth and just try to be as cool as possible. So, um, it varies <laughs> in terms of how much people pay me, but people pay it, and I don't really ask anybody to ever and people pay. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, I think that's good news for a lot of people who are on the fence about whether or not they want to use Creative Commons licensing for their music. Yeah. Because I think it makes it a lot more visible to people who are looking for something that they can negotiate about or that they can at least review for free. Yeah, you know? no, I was looking actually at uh, for a work yesterday at Treehouse looking at relicensing a song that we had used in some ad and stuff and they wanted you know like 600 bucks for a year for what is really a just garbage piece of music garbage piece of stock music honestly <laughs> personally speaking and going like that's just outrageous to me that you would charge that much for that song for that purpose too the idea of paying a set amount for music is dead if you know dying if not dead right napster killed the whole idea of this is how much music costs to us. And I am super excited about that. I like that. I don't lament the, well, people are undervaluing our art and, you you know, I need to be paid. People need to be fairly compensated for their work. I, I get that, but I just see it as a challenge, right? Like a, not an obstacle as much as just figure this out, see what happens. And the, the, I love that Bandcamp lets you pay what you want gives you that option as an artist to let people pay what they want. It's fascinating to see what people actually end up paying and when and how much. Um, I love the world we're living in right now. I love the Spotify world. I love Spotify. Um, I love the streaming and YouTube and things are now impacting the billboard charts. It's, it's a whole brave new world out there. And I really think if you just let people tell you what they think it's worth, it gives it's valuable feedback. I have some records that people spend a lot more money on and license a lot more frequently than other ones. And regardless of how much I like those records compared to other ones that I've done, um, it's interesting to get that kind of data back from people. The, to really pay with your wallet is, when you don't have to especially, is a real indicator of how much people are enjoying that thing, what it means to them. And I like a music economy of you give me what you think this means to you so many people are online and so many more people are about to become online in the next 5 10 20 years right that like why why would you even try to put a price on your own music let 
see what happens. <laughs> and it's it's been really cool so far. So. Yeah, so you mentioned YouTube, which is something that I would like to talk to you about a little bit because they have this content ID system. That they certainly do. It's supposed to be helpful to artists to protect their <laughs> intellectual property. But yep. there have been some pretty interesting permutations of that and almost yeah. like patent trolley type of activity happening on content ID right. that I think you've had some interaction with if you'd like to tell us about it. Constantly. Um, yeah, that's another, that's an, uh, content ID is an occupational hazard for me, honestly. Um, oh God, where to start with content ID? I like content, the idea of content ID in theory. The idea that instead of just, no, you can't use this, delete that video instantly and all this kind of stuff. No, you can't use my music. Um, that you go, okay, we'll just, we'll put some ads on it and you can use what you want and we'll put ads and get the ad revenue. It, that seems like such a simple concept, um, and a solid one for artists. It's a win-win for everybody. But the reality of it for me has been frustrating. I feel like, um, and it's frustrating, especially cause YouTube is just something you can't ignore as an artist. Um, even as a musician now, it was YouTube's never, like, for the first few years of using YouTube, it wasn't something I necessarily thought about going to music for or making it something I listen to music for. But um, it's a giant destination for music listeners of all kinds. And you can't ignore it, uh, no matter how much you disagree with any of its policies. Um, but that makes it a little more frustrating because then you have to deal with that whole system. So the, the biggest thing for me has been that... Content ID is just not very accurate, is what I've learned. <laughs> I've done a lot of testing with it and a lot of messing around with it. And so if you upload uh, you know, a Prince song or something, you upload something well-known, it's going to be really accurate because it's in that system. That Those songs by these major artists and even a lot of indie artists, people represented by Merlin, a lot of those record labels, that's, that's all in there. And a lot of people now can also get their music into Content ID through third-party services, TuneCore or whatever. AdRevs emails me once a month saying if I still want to join their service. And it's like, no. Um, but if you're not in that system, then any – when I, I constantly get copyright claims on my own songs. And it's never even remotely accurate. Um, and I've been thinking, I, I, I wrote a blog post about this on my site a couple years ago and I just moved it over to medium and updated it. So I've, I was doing this last night actually. And so I've been thinking a lot about content ID and I think it's a, I feel like it's a weird thing to be talk, thinking about, but I like living in the independent music world. And so this is probably, this is going to be a problem for me until we can figure it out. Um, so my music, every time I upload a new piece of music or a new album or whatever I'm doing, it's like, yeah, that's Pink Floyd. You're like, that's really not Pink Floyd. And that's uh, this techno song or something. The the songs, I, I don't have drums or beats in my songs at all. I just, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm very good at making them and don't like using them. And n never been matched with a song that doesn't have some sort of heavy beat to it. <laughs> like, how do these waveforms even look the same to your system? I don't understand. It's all over the place, the stuff that it tells me my music is. And that's just on the initial upload. Um, I'll get claims thrown down on not just my songs, but on thousands of other videos on YouTube. I, get, I, I know something's wrong when I start getting a whole bunch of confused and angry emails. People going like, this 
I, this is your song, but I'm getting this copyright claim that says it's this other song. And somebody has gone to the FMA, gone, oh, free music. I have a good idea to make some money. And downloaded a whole bunch of free music, changed the titles on it, uploaded it as their own music to TuneCore or something, and start collecting YouTube ad revenue on it. And it's like, motherfuckers, what are you doing? <laughs> what? Are, that's so mean. Or it's just like super ignorant or whatever, but it's not always malicious. But that happens like more and more often. And I have to deal with this stuff and I have to go find the whatever company they're using to get into content ID and be like, hey, this is not correct. And they, they're usually very nice about it, but it's a hassle. It's just a waste of my time, really. The other big problem with content ID is that I can't get into it because I can use a third-party service if I want to, but I've contacted every single one of them and none of them give me the kind of access that actually being in YouTube's proper content ID world give you. All that you can do is go, here's my music, and they go, cool, and they will throw ads on everything on YouTube with that song in it. And that is so not what I want to do. I know I'm leaving a bunch of money on the table on YouTube because there's tens of thousands of videos with my music out there that I know about. But I can't, I can't just throw down a bunch of ads on that stuff because people made this art with it. They've made these things and they're monetizing them themselves too. I'm not just going to take that away. It's nowhere, it's nowhere in my licensing agreements that I would do that. And I just have no interest in doing that or making money that way. And so I don't want that. I just want to monitor. I just want to get my music into Content ID so it's there in the system and doesn't it stops getting misidentified as stuff. Because if my stuff is getting misidentified on my own account, then what happens to the thousands of other people every year that are doing the same thing? Are they doing this? Because plenty of them contact me, but how many aren't? This is all the stuff that goes through my head <laughs> trying to put my music out there. It makes it difficult to share your music. It's so weird. Like, I can't do what I want to do with my music. And I just want to, like, keep tabs on things. I want to see what's being used that isn't necessarily putting my name in the description. It's just in the video. I can't search that. I'd love to know that stuff, but I don't want to put ads on it. So I'm screwed. There's no, I, no options right now at all. I've tried to apply to Content ID. I've been rejected once and ignored the second time for the last two years, which really is totally fine because I understand they're looking for people with a lot more stuff. I may own a publishing company or whatever, but it's not administering enough songs for them to talk to me. I get it, but it's something I just have to deal with until they figure it out or let more people into the system or whatever it needs to happen. But it doesn't sound like they're going to let people into the system just because they're letting these third parties charge other people to get into that system. And if they just start opening it up to everybody, I don't know how those third parties would feel. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. The best they can do is just kind of blog about it and deal with it week by week. <laughs> you can put stuff out there, but if you get it into a good, you know, there's that, what's that one? The Steve did the, how wolves change rivers. You see this video about how wolves change rivers. No, um, that's been passed around. I upworthy just posted it yesterday. It's been around for a little bit, but it's this really cool documentary that this dude that's, you know, I've come to get to know just a little bit has made, um, about a little documentary about how wolves change rivers and it it went it's got like 15 million views on youtube or something it it went totally viral and it, totally to me unexpectedly and the very prominent music in it it's one of my tracks right and i get just tons and tons of um 
attention from that from people oh, i heard you in this video and stuff and i have friends who are like i saw this really cool video and i'm like oh the music was really cool and then I, your name came up at the end it's like bastard everywhere <laughs> and you get that stuff out into the world and then other people take it and put it even more out into the world into audiences that you would just never be able to find on your own never be able to reach never run into casually and stuff that more and more people i feel like are going to start uh, being a little bit more free with their art. And at some point, it's the, the tools have got to be better on YouTube than just, you can change whether you want it to be Creative Commons or not. Um, and license, there's, no, there's no education there and no good way to monetize and share your music. So I know I'm being weird and I know I'm trying to do something that's probably totally insane to people. I'm like, well, it wouldn't be a problem if you just sold your music like normal people. It's not just about sharing the music, though, because if you use any piece of music on YouTube, Content ID makes it possible for anybody to troll that, to be like, yep, that's mine, or for any company to, or artists to be like, I don't want my music on YouTube anymore, and you know, millions of videos disappear in a day. Like, that's possible with Content ID, and that's like weirdly scary to me. So YouTube's a world I have to live in both professionally and in my personal life, and um, it's frustrating as an artist. Yeah, I can imagine. I haven't had that issue with content ID because I, I'm not a composer, but I've heard this sort of gripe from multiple people about other people are claiming my music or yeah. it's reading it as something that is totally insanely different than what I am uploading. <laughs> Yeah, I will. I mean, even as a video, as a content creator, as a video maker, I have good friends here that I went to high school with down in, here in Orlando that make a living off of YouTube. They are YouTubers. They make they have been making a YouTube video every day for about five or six years. And they go to Disney World and Universal all the time and make these videos. And they're just constantly documenting their life. And they make a living there off of YouTube ads. And it's really impressive to me. Um, but I've talked with them about it before, too. And they, you know, you have to be so careful with the music you use and, oh, God forbid there's music playing in the background that's copyrighted because then, you know, something's going to come down on your video and you just don't know if that publishing company or that artist or that label or whatever is going to be cool with that or if they block this video in some countries or now you can't watch it on a mobile phone just for something completely incidental in the background, let alone finding music, original music to use that, you know, with my music, it is so freely out there that... It's always just a little, a tiny bit hazardous that somebody's going to say, oh, that's mine, or the content ID is going to be like, oh, that's, you know, Underworld or something, or it's Tom Petty. <laughs> You're like, what? What are you talking about? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real issue for anybody who creates original anything and puts it online, um, even wholly original work, you know. There's, there's plenty of stories out there about people – with um, putting up videos of birds and somebody claiming that those sounds of birds is a recording that they own and stuff. And you're like, man, this is this can't be the reason YouTube came up with Content ID. It's definitely meant to uh, appease the, the real powers that be in the music and film and television world, right? But you get this big – you get a real subscriber base going and stuff. And you have to constantly worry about there being a copyright strike on your account. Now, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff you can't do on YouTube once you get in trouble with YouTube or some content, a copyright owner. Um, 
and that could just totally ruin somebody's business, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a real problem that everybody just kind of goes, you know, it's kind of sucks or whatever. It's frustrating, but they don't really understand why it's happening or what it's doing or what we can do to change it and why it's an actual issue. It's a, it's a huge issue. YouTube's a giant cultural force. Um, we could be doing better with it. I feel like. Yeah, I can't help but think that a lot of that the educational resources and the actual content ID system is is there for just for their own legal protection and not really to benefit artists. Well, yeah, I mean, it's we're going to get sued for billions of dollars. Um, the idea of, well, you know, you can DMCA us anytime. You can just tell us to take something down and we'll take it down. You, know, you can't police 100 new hours of video every minute that gets uploaded, right? Mm-hmm. So I understand the need for a system. I feel like the system can work, can make sense, um, but it's it doesn't help anybody but the big dudes in the long run. But when someone's like intentionally misrepresenting who made that thing, I usually get a little bit more aggressive <laughs> with it. So I guess the most recent one was uh, somebody a few weeks before the new Pink Floyd record, The Endless River, came out. Somebody uploaded the Endless River to their YouTube account, the whole album. But it was all just a whole bunch of music from the FMA, retitled as these Pink Floyd songs. And one of them was one of mine. And this video had like 150,000 views in a few days. And this long list of comments <laughs> that, I, that I kept that are hilarious to me. That like, oh man, David Gilmore does it again. This is amazing. And oh yeah, this is really beautiful. I can't wait to hear the whole rest of the record and stuff. And you're like, oh my God, you, you have to take that down. You get in touch with these people and they go, you know, like, oh, I found this on the site and it said it was okay. You know, you could use, it said it wasn't copyrighted or it says it said it was free. And it's like, I have to play teacher all the time. Like, I, I understand that's what it says. That's not really what it means. Uh, can you please change it? <laughs> can we please take that down or whatever? Um, there's so many misconceptions about copyright out there. There's still so many people that think you should, you know, you mail something to yourself to copyright it or whatever and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I, I don't think that's ever going to change, obviously, especially the more, more and more parts of the world that start really getting Internet access here. But, um, yeah, like copyright education... I think is important as much as I, as much of an anarchist as I kind of am sometimes about intellectual property and copyright. I like, it can work. The The system's kind of busted and weird and favors, you know, the fact that, you know, Mickey Mouse is not in the public domain and all that kind of stuff. It's crazy. It sucks. But there's a lot you can, teach people about it, like good things you can do with it, right? Good reasons for this kind of thing to exist. Why does this really exist? With a good understanding of copyright and fair use and things, and especially licensing, you get into Creative Commons or whatever, whatever you want to do, um, kind of just frees you up to like your art when you really kind of understand the process. You really understand copyright just on a pretty fundamental level. Do a just tiny bit of reading, and you'll learn a lot. Like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So... I wish people knew more about copyright and hopefully what I'm doing and what Creative Commons is doing and what the FMA is doing and um, what YouTube's not doing very well but is kind of doing is educate people just a little bit more because it's, it's important. We've got to figure it out. If the Internet's taught me anything, it's that there are no rules anymore. 
<laughs> you know, there's no right way to do anything. If you've ever looked at like Denny's Twitter account, you're, it's painfully obvious that there's no rules anymore, anywhere, and you can do whatever you want and find an audience for yourself. So, um, I, I, uh, yeah, I very much encourage people to experiment. You never know what you're going to end up finding. It's an exciting time. Yeah, I'm super. I, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm like super crazy pumped about the future of music. It's it's moving into the world that it's this world that I was promised as a young kid. I remember going to Epcot Center at Disney World when I was 11 or something, and there being this kind of presentation uh, in one of the sections of the park about in the future, one day you're going to be able to turn on your TV and choose any movie you want to watch anywhere in the world and it will be streamed, you know, sent to you over your telephone line and you watch it. And I'm like, bullshit. Like, no way. That's, that's crazy. You'll be listening, listen to any music you want to. And all this stuff will just come right to you on demand and stuff. And it's like, that's crazy. I can't imagine that happening. And it's like, I'm living in Epcot right now. <laughs> the, the whole world is like super exciting to me. There's a lot of problems, you know, content idea is frustrating to me personally or whatever, but I love YouTube. It's just incredible what we can do and share and create and hear and experience and find that we'd never, ever be able to see or find or people that we'd never meet and all this kind of thing. It's just unbelievable to me. So I totally embrace it. <laughs> no plans to uh, stop doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Thanks again yeah. for all of your work too. I think it's really cool to have um, – you know, artists like you on FMA that are, I think, kind of setting an example by actually putting yourself out there under attribution yeah. and, and being successful with that. Yeah, I see a lot of good uses of uh, non-commercial licensing for sure. So I don't, it's not necessarily for every single purpose, but um, it works for me. <laughs> you know, I'm making money doing that. And I feel like other people can. And other people do. There's other people who do. But um what like what's the worst that can happen? I guess is my thing, especially if you're just starting out as an artist. Like, why not experiment a little bit and see what happens? Don't you can't get too stuck in the, well, this is the way people normally do this idea. It's just man, that's just death to good art to be thinking about things that way. So, gotta just try things, gotta do something. Yeah, I mean that's the point of making art. I think is to experiment. So, <laughs> right. Why not extend it into the the way that you publish it? Exactly. And I think once it's on the internet, like, all bets are off in a way. Like, people can do a lot of kind of whatever they want with it. That's, you know? that's kind of the thing, too, that you end up realizing after a while that, like, the second it hits the internet, one, now, you know, once you could rip a CD to your computer or whatever, once it became unbound from these physical things, once everything, once internet speeds especially got faster, we could share things so much easier with each other. There's just no control anymore at all. The second you put it out into the world, it's like, I, I'm just like, cool, I'm done with it. You guys do what you want with it because I have, even if I said, you can do this and you can't do that and all this kind of stuff, it, there's always going to be plenty of people who completely ignore that or who never see that message or who don't understand copyright law and don't care either and are just going to do what they want. And so it's not about appeasing those people, but it's about encouraging everybody to think a little bit more that way. More exciting stuff happens when you take a lot of those rules away. So a real simple just put my name there. I just want people to know if they like the music, if they're interested in all at all in who made it, they can find out who made it really easily. Beyond that, 
I'm really curious to see what you guys do with it. <laughs> yeah, and I think being open to things ending up being used for commercial purposes or you know, things that you wouldn't expect, like hold music and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I would never compose something and think like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great hold music. <laughs> can't wait to get this into a commercial for perfume or something. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you don't, you can't think that way. Right. Um, but I do think that once something takes a life of its own, it's also really interesting how so much of that comes back to you. But it's, it's, music's always kind of been that way, no matter how much you want to control it. You know, I can't hear the Rolling Stones... Uh, started up without thinking of a Windows 95 commercial to this day, you know, the art shifts and it, 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 it blends with other art and you listen to things in a different places and in different mindsets and at different points in your life. Art is just so much more fluid than just like, here's this product that we're going to sell you. It's you, let it, if you just let it breathe and let it take on all these different contexts, it's, it becomes something bigger than what you made in the first place. It's so cool. Well, and you can't control how people are going to experience it anyway, so. No. Yeah. That's no fun. <laughs> Anarchy. Chaos. Artistic chaos. Breeds really cool stuff, so I'm into it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out today. And, um, yeah, it's been great talking to you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Radio Free Culture is produced by WFMU and the Free Music Archive, and is supported in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. Our theme song this week is The Spider-Man's Nano Loop by Uncle Bibby, and can be found at freemusicarchive.org. <laughs>